Our Lord Jesus said, Let the children alone, and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So doing children's ministry, how is it to be done? Is children's ministry even biblical? On this slice of fresh bread. Welcome to Fresh Bread, podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville with Pastor Brandon and Pastor Keith. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to Fresh Bread. Fresh Bread, where we're bringing the truth of God's Word to a starving world. And welcome to podcast number 33. And today we're going to be talking about children and how they worship. And it's a good topic because it's not one that people really think about as much as how do we incorporate our children into worship or how do we do Bible study or Sunday school, which is better, which should believers be participating in. So that's what we're going to look at today on this podcast. So I'm Pastor Keith, that's Pastor Brandon. And we're going to dive into this children's ministry. You know, one day we're going to do this in video where they can actually see Pastor Keith and Pastor Brandon. And you can say, that's Pastor Brandon. That's (laughs) actually him. Well, I don't know how exciting that'll be, but we'll, yeah. Anyway, let's, so my first question for you, Pastor Brandon, is children's ministry a biblical concept? Is there any mention of a children's ministry in the Bible? No, I don't think so. Not directly in the sense of, you know, having a philosophy of ministry laid out for children's ministry. I don't think you're going to find that directly. I mean, I think you find in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you find, you know, that, that Moses is telling the people of Israel, you know, he tells them to ultimately teach their children. Uh, I think it's a it's an important concept that we, you, you know, we need to get. I mean, they, he... he uh, lays out in Deuteronomy 6, and he says, he says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and judgments, which Yahweh your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do it in the land where you're going to over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear Yahweh your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I am commanding you today, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged days may be prolonged idea i think we see that in you know the the first commandment with a promise is that you obey the, your parents and the lord for this is right that's ephesians 6 but you know it's the first commandment with a promise that you may live a long life and so you know this idea of of, of having your days prolonged fits well with that you know exodus idea exodus 20 idea of obeying your parents which fits well then again with ephesians chapter 6 so, you know, he says, O Israel, you shall listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. And then he goes on in verse 4, this is, this is Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh is one. You shall love Yahweh your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as phylacteries between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Uh, Then it will be when Yahweh your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, 
to give you great and good cities which you did not build and houses full of all good things which you did not fill and hewn cisterns which you did not dig and olive trees which you did not plant, you shall eat and be satisfied. Then he says this, which I think fits with the idea of teaching your children. He said, Then beware, lest you forget Yahweh, who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Yahweh, your God, you shall fear, and him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. And then he goes on. But the point is, is that teaching our children about God and who he is is incredibly important to the future of the church. Now, specifically here he's speaking of Israel, but I think we can, by principle, well, even the New Testament authors, especially Paul, connected these things, and yes, it's very important for us to teach our children about God and who he is. It's very important that we teach our children doctrine. Therefore, children's ministry is incredibly important. Now, having said that, we need to recognize who God has made responsible for this. And and ultimately, he's made the parents responsible for teaching their children. Now, by extension, I think it's right and good for the church to come alongside the parents and helping do that. It's not the church's responsibility to teach the children directly. It's the parents' responsibility. But as a church, we can definitely come alongside and we can help shore up those deficiencies that are inevitably there in every family in terms of teaching in terms of teaching doctrine in terms of teaching the children but we have to in doing so we have to recognize that children's ministry is not there to replace the parents it's there to assist it's there to help it's there to to shore up the you know the areas of weakness it's there to identify those weaknesses but primarily the church primarily the responsibility falls to the parent. I agree with that. As far as in Scripture, people would use Matthew 19, 13 through 15, right? Is that, that's the main point where it says, some of the children were brought to him so that he may lay hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them, and Jesus said, let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After laying hands on them, he departed there. I think a lot of people use that as as the that there is a there is a place for children's ministry, yeah, I, I think that, that for sure there is no doubt that there's a place. Well, in my mind, you know, there is no there is a there is a place for children's ministry in the church. I, again, I think that ministry has to be primarily to the parents and assisting the parents in helping them teach doctrine, teach their children uh, how to how to obey the Lord, who the Lord is, help, helping them see and understand biblical concepts. But, you know, so we come alongside, the church should come alongside and help the parents in that way. Now, how a church decides to do that may look different depending on the the context, depending on the families that are involved, and depending on how they want to do that. You know, that comes down to more of a philosophy of ministry, which, I mean, we should have a biblical philosophy of ministry. But I think what we have to recognize is that the kernel of truth, the core of it is, is that we should be teaching the parents and helping the parents guide their children we should be the pillar in support of the truth, you know, using Paul's words for doctrine, for biblical understanding, and therefore we should help the parents in that in that realm in terms of, of helping them uh, parent their children. But in terms of, you know, children's ministry being something that stands alone outside of the parents, no, I, I don't see that biblically. I don't see the connection there. So you're saying the parents are the main 
teacher. Absolutely. And the church comes alongside and helps enhance Abs- that. Absolutely. So as when we're talking about this, would it be, maybe this is where the dispute comes from, is, is during the worship service, that's when the children are taken out and then they're taught. No, and I don't think so. That's what I'm getting at. No. Maybe you do that before the service, right? Or yeah, after? Yeah, I, let me let me just lay that out. I, okay. I think that in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is writing a letter to the church at Ephesus. And in the midst of that letter, he says, and it's a direct address to the children. He says, children, so Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I would take that to be that that letter was to be read to the church and that the children were present during the reading of that letter. So I would take it to be that the the children were actually in what we would call the worship service, the, the actual service with adults. Now, having said that, I don't think there's anything wrong with a church saying we want to provide something for the parents, especially in the world that we live in, because not every parent has been trained biblically. Not every parent has been trained to do what they need to do in terms of their children. And so not every child is ready for that to be in the worship service. You know, and even, you know, if you want to go stages of life, you know, you have you have babies and and we should provide a way for the mothers and the fathers of those children to be able to participate in the worship service while caring for their children. At our church, I'm thankful that we have, you know, the building that we rent, we have a room that allows them to go into that room and still see through that glass and 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 they're able to deal with their children, their 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 young babies, you know, separately, so they can go in and, and nurse and do th- different things and still hear the worship service. There's other places in the building that they can go where it's quiet and they ha- they can still hear and and but they can they can deal with their children. What I think that what we have during that period of time, let's say from zero to two or three, during that period of time, I think that's a that's a time of intense training for their children and really beginning to get them ready for being able to sit through a a church service. And so as a church, I think that, I mean, we should provide a way for even people in that position to have a way to, to, as an example, a nursery so that they can go into it, they can put their children into it while they're training them, you know, in the midst of training them. I would argue, and I'm not... I'm not like dogmatic about this in the sense of this is how it has to be because I recognize that there are people in different places and situations and in the church. But I would argue that period of time should be used to train them and get them ready for the main service. And part of that might be having them sit through part of the service, you know, where maybe they sit through the, the singing part, you know, where they they get used to, they get accustomed to being a part of the main group and accustomed to having to, to be still and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then maybe they take them out at that point. And, and I think the church, our church, I, I want to see us be able to pro- provide something that allows the parents to come and put their children into it so they won't be distracted. But at the same time, still considering 
that ultimately the, the, the model that we'd like to have is that the children are able to sit through the service. I think there is something very good about children seeing their parents worship, seeing them singing, seeing them praying, seeing them participate in communion, seeing them participate in listening to, a, to the sermon, seeing them worship, you know, in, in general. And so I think there's something very good about that. And I think that we need to, we definitely need to encourage our parents to have their children be a part of that. Because I think, you know, you've heard, you know, that much of it's, it's better caught than taught or something to that effect. And, and I think there is some truth to that. When they witness their parents loving the Lord, when they witness, you know, their parents worshiping, ultimately that gets baked into their DNA, if you will. It kind of gets baked into who they are. And so, you know, you teach them in the right way and they'll never depart from it. I, I do think that there's something good about that and seeing that. Now, you know, you ask about children's ministry specifically. I do think that there is a good place for having a children's ministry probably prior to, like at our church, we do an equipping hour. So, and I'm not sure it'll always be this way. I mean, we, we're in a position where we can do this at this point, but we have a, an equipping hour, so I can envision we don't have, right now we don't have children, you know, we're a small church, so we don't have a, you know, children's ministry per se. We're, we're starting to build one by, you know, babies being born and, and, you know, we've had a baby boom here recently over the past year. And so we're starting to see the need to head in that direction and, and really address this. And maybe that's part of the reason why we're even talking about it now. But I think that there is a, a good reason to have a children's ministry that, that starts out with, you know, maybe during the equipping hour, but also have a nursery that allows for children to be taken care of if the parents are, are in a position where they need to, to do that. And also maybe even a children's church for later. And, and let me address that. I recognize that not every parent is in the position of being trained from the beginning. You know, if we are able to train them and help them along, you know, I think the best way to do this is, is what I just described with the children, you know, ultimately being able to come into the church and not be a distraction to the church, able to sit through the church. And I, and I can give you some ideas in terms of how that would, how that would work, but, you know, practically. At the same time, I do recognize that there are going to be some families that come into the church that are not equipped to do that. They, they just haven't had the conviction or the training or whatever. And so I have no problem with us providing a children's church, so to speak, for those situations where the, the children just have not been a, you know, trained to, to sit through the church. I recognize that it is a process. I recognize that it is a difficult thing to do. And I do, I also recognize, and I, I went through this even with my own family, I also recognize that some children are more difficult than others. And, you know, it may be that, that it takes a longer time to get certain children to that point, and there needs to be a relief valve for these families to be able to say, okay, I need to put my children or my child into a children's church situation where they're getting good teaching and care, and, I, and I'm able to focus on, on the Word, and other people are able to focus on the Word as well. It is a, I think it's very helpful. I think it's something we need to do uh, as a church, yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, when do you start? When they're three, two, no, I, five? <laughs> no, you, I think you start even... I mean, you can really start even in the womb, 
by reading to them and by you know giving giving them truth even even from that point it's they can there's a certain level of, of not understanding as much in the womb obviously but but there is a there is a they they're cognizant of your voice and they know who you are and and I mean in, in terms of in terms of they they begin they begin to identify your voice and so my my children could identify my voice when they were in the womb they could they obviously could identify my wife's voice in the womb and so I mean so when they're born they're already moving in that direction and so you just can continue to give them truth you don't know what they're catching and you know what they're learning at that point but it really begins to build even from that point. Wow, that early. Yes. That's early. Yes. Okay, we've looked at, com- these are the positives. How about, let's look at some of the negatives of children's ministry. And I think one of the biggest one is, this is what they say, is that, that you have to entertain children to get them interested in, in the Bible. You know, all kinds of, you know, games and music and... Well, and uh, I mean, the Lord has made the, you know, our children, our children do enjoy activity. I mean, they do enjoy moving and they do enjoy singing and in they do enjoy doing fun activities that connect back to truth. The, you know, songs that, that you're, you're, you're singing the truth. I mean, it, the Lord has made them where they do enjoy that. And I think the main thing is to make sure that, that those things are pointing to the truth. They're not just activity for activity's sake. You know, it's not just we're going to go play tag or you know whatever we whatever game you you choose for an hour while while we wait on the parents to get through the service. Yeah, it does need to be fun. It does need to be active because that's who children are. But it definitely those fun activities and fun things need to point back to the truth and to, and to what you're teaching them. Does the fact that we're we're seeing today in the church a lot of these kids that grew up with maybe not the greatest children's ministry and I'm I'm using that because I'm I'm looking at the games and the the other things that were kind of pushed more than maybe doctrine or actual scripture. We're seeing a bunch of kids kind of walking away. They get baptized mm. and they they're they're walking away from the faith. Is that you think that has anything to do with it? The way that they were taught as a well, yeah. I mean, I, we visited a church as a family when we were in California. And, you know, we took the, you know, they said, hey, let's take your children to the children's church and they're going to have a great time. It's set up perfectly for them. And, you know, we walk in and it's this, basically this arcade with this game room. It's basically this big game room and they have jump houses and they have mm-hmm. arcade machines and they have, you know, all this stuff set up. And, you know, and so, you know, of course, we're there and, and, you know, we're there for visiting some people that we knew. And, you know, so we did it. And, you know, we came back and we asked our children, hey, what did you learn? Oh, well, you know, we, we had a great time. We, were, we did this and we did this. But no, no, what did you learn? Well, there was nothing. I mean, there was nothing. And it was, just a, it was just a great time of, you know, jumping around and having a great time. And the kids loved it. But they weren't learning anything. So, yes, that is an interesting question and and I think the answer is is that you you have to have it has to be rooted in the truth and so there has to be some level of didactic you know like when I say didactic teaching that is really the root and the foundation of what you're doing with the children going back to Deuteronomy 6 which is what I started with you know Deuteronomy 6 saying 
that we need to teach our children. You know, we need to diligently teach our children. And that's what we need to do as a, as a church, that when we have those opportunities to come alongside the parents to help and assist in that way, we definitely need to model teaching doctrine to our, to our children. Do you think that we go overboard with the games and the entertainment, but when they become adults, then does the church have to continue that entertainment? Well, that's what ends up, yeah, I mean, it's that same model for the, yeah. for the, for the adults. And let me, let me back up and just say, you ask about you know, the children becoming adults, so they grow up in a situation where it's all fun and games, you know, then they go off to college, and you know, some college professor begins to, oh, by the way, maybe they throw in a few Bible stories, you know, that, you know, a few Bible stories that, you know, we all, we've heard all the Bible stories and, mm-hmm. you know, and so they, maybe they throw in a few of the Bible stories while they do this, these fun activities, but then the, the child goes off to college and a college professor begins to challenge their faith and, you know, begins to challenge what they, where they're at and what they've learned. And he just blows that out of the water or she they blow that out of the water because because it's nothing but Bible stories with no cohesive understanding of who God is. The arc of redemption, redemptive history, I mean, there's none of that that fits. It's just a Bible story about Daniel and the lion's den, which, you know, in its context is a fantastic story and understanding, but outside of its context, it's, it's meaningless and doesn't help anything in terms of a worldview. And so then, you know, so they get their cha- their worldview challenged in college, and all of a sudden, you know, they fall away. And that's what we're seeing in droves. We're seeing these kids fall away because they don't have any they don't have any good foundation to what they believe. I think that's a good point because I, I was watching something today on Andy Stanley, and then I was watching a comparison with John MacArthur. Masters University just had their creation conference. Andy Stanley's main point is that whenever Bible and science conflict, always go with science. MacArthur says whenever they conflict, go with the Bible. And it's interesting that when you do, you, you're, you're in these these children's ministries that are fun and games, and you're hearing these stories, but you're right, there is no depth to it. And so when you get into a science class, and they're, they're just ripping apart the creation, they say it's a myth, and it's this and that, and, and these poor kids have nothing to, to hold on to. So they do Okay, I'll go to science, and then and sure. that changes everything. Yeah, I mean, you're even a step further when you start talking about someone like Andy Stanley that's saying go with the science. You know, science is the is the yeah. answer, and you know you can't trust scripture when it you know, when it conflicts with science. And and you and I would say that's you know that's a bunch of bunk. But but the point is is that you know what do they have? I mean, what defense do they have when they right? When they yeah. come up against a, a college professor that that seemingly knows more, you know, that seemingly has their stuff together and and seemingly you know has all the answers, and they're not right answers. But how is a how is the you know that young college student to know that in terms of if they haven't been taught, if they've just been taught you know about Daniel and the Lion's Den, or they've been talk about taught about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and you know Noah's Ark, and you know the the walls of Jericho falling. I mean, you know the the Bible stories that we've you know all heard that you know in their context are incredibly powerful, but taken out of their context and told as a quote unquote story doesn't help them long term, and so you know they end up deconstruct deconstructing their faith is the is kind of the term that's being used right now. But that, I would say they never had a faith at all because they weren't given a foundation to have a faith. Mm. How young can a, is, 
can a child be that can understand some of these biblical concepts that, that go like deep. I said you can start very very early we have a parenting class on Sunday evenings that we've been doing and one of the one of the ladies in there was actually a couple of the different ladies that are in there that were in that class are saying you know they're teaching you know doctrine they're teaching truth to their children and they're reciting it back you know at er, at very early ages now we're talking about you know when we when I say that I mean we're talking about simple and a simple understanding of who God is, you know, God is holy. God, the Lord God is one, you know, that, that, that sort of stuff that can start really seeping in even, you know, very, you know, early, even prior to language being formulated by the child themselves. And so they may not be able to speak it back, but they're absorbing it. And eventually those things are going to come, start coming back to the parents as they begin to be able to use language. There are simplified ways that we can give them the truth that give them a good foundation of of understanding the truth. I mean, first and foremost, not telling these things as a story, because I think that's one of the things that people latch on to that, you know, I, I, the proverbial college professor that I just mm-hmm. talked about latches on to, well, that's just a Bible story. That's just a story. That's not, you can't, there's no truth there. That's a, that's a, that's just a, a wise tale, a wives' tale, or or that's just a myth. a myth. You know, that's no different than you know any other you know old ancient myth. It's just it's just a myth. And so, but if if you tell that, even though you've simplified it in a sense of I'm I'm simplifying, I'm giving simple truths to the to them. You know, as an example, teaching Noah's Ark. I don't I don't need to focus on the cute little animals getting on the cute little boat, I need to focus on that God judged sin. So your sin, even, you know, the two or three-year-old child needs to understand that, that they have that same sin in their heart. I need to primarily teach them that the, that the flood was God's judgment on the earth for sin. And so that's simple. I mean, it's a simple thing because I can, and I can even, and I can even connect that to their sin. You know, when you hit your brother or when you, you know, when you took a toy or, or whatever, you know, whatever sin they may have committed, you know, that's the same sin that God judged. We want them to understand that. And so that's the type of foundation that I'm talking about that connects these Bible stories in a real way, you know, that they really happened and they really, this is what God was doing. I can be simple with that, that hopefully in time, as the child grows, as the child becomes, you know, moves toward being an adult, hopefully at, over time, those doors will be continued to be open. You know, hopefully in, as an adult, they, they really get into, you know, studying scripture for themselves and understanding scripture and they, that foundation came from, you know, as a child. Yeah, there's so much there. Well, and, and again, I mean, I think that you can give them that foundational depth you know, without, in a simple way that they can now build on, you know, throughout a lifetime of of study. And so I don't have to back off of the depth. I mean, maybe I don't go into the detail, but the actual depth, what really matters, I can teach the, the, the nugget or the kernel of what really matters there. And I can connect that for them and help them see. And in time, the, the prayer would be that with the, you know, in, in time they become believers they have the Holy Spirit that 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 depth that we gave them in the beginning will now be used by the Holy Spirit to build a lifetime of Bible study and understanding. And so, so I don't I and that, I think that starts very very early. I mean, in terms of if 
you know, the, I don't think you, I don't think we need to shy off of teaching our one-year-old biblical doctrine. So. Yeah. When I was one, I, I don't know what I was doing. I don't think I was into. Well, I mean, in terms of being, in terms of the, the formative time, there's no more formative time than those, you know, first few yeah. months and, and even a couple of years of, of learning. And, you know, they learn more in those, those years than they learn you know, than maybe even in a lifetime because you know, they're learning the, the, the absolute basics of understanding of language, of how to interact socially, different things like that. As we wrap this up, so children's ministry, just tell me your, your closing thoughts. Again, it should be a part of, I mean, we should come along the side to parents. We should be teaching the children doctrine. Uh, yes, we can incorporate activities, we can incorporate singing, we can incorporate different things that get the you know, truth across to them, but I think it all needs to be rooted in the truth. I think that we definitely, in terms of church itself, the, the main church service, I think that we need to encourage our parents to, to train their children to be able to be a part of the service as soon as possible, as early as possible. I mean, to recognize that as a process. We need to give them support in doing that, and I think that support comes in you know, giving them a pressure release valve to be able to, I mean, if they're in a position where they need more time, we definitely want to give, you know, the support in that way. How about some practical ways where parents can help their kids as they incorporate them into church service? We we actually, as a family, we did exactly what I was talking about. We We started out by having our children come in, you know, for the first part of the service, and then we would take them out and let them go to children's church. My wife and I, what we would do is we actually started with, we would have snacks and something for them to be able to, an activity they could do in the pew, like, uh, you know, a puzzle or a small puzzle or, or something like that. So what we would do is when the singing was done, when the singing part of the worship was done for the sermon, we would actually break out, you know, a bag of Cheerios or, a, or you know, something like that, that they could sit and be, uh, you know, sit and, and enjoy, uh, realizing that they're not going to sit and listen to an hour-long sermon. But we would also have an activity for them to do that would allow them to, to be, you know, distracted, I mean, in, in, a, in a good way. I mean, as a matter of fact, that when we first started as a church, we actually gave a, a packet that for the children. We had more children at the time. We actually gave a packet for the children to do, you know, activities like it. We put a note page in there so if they were listening to the sermon, they could write notes and uh, different things like that. But and we also did a coloring page, things like that, that uh, that the children could do to be not not uh, distracted is probably not the right word, but to have something to do yeah. as a as you know while the sermon was going, realizing that they're not going to listen to the entire sermon, you know, because it's more probably more detailed than than most can understand. Although we did have. Uh, I'm very thankful to say that we did have children in our service that became believers, you know, by listening to the sermons over time and growing in that way. So I think it was a, I think that, you know, it, that we saw that as well. In terms of, you know, equipping, you know, prior to the service, like, an, you know, equipping hour, I think that we definitely need to have a doctrinally based, doctrinally based Sunday school, if you will, that the children can go to and, and, that comes alongside the parents and helps them in that way. Do you think that's where we'll be heading with our baby mania at our church? We'll yeah, have... I think it starts with with nursery. Um, we need to be, matter of fact, we need to be starting now. We can be teaching doctrine in nursery. You know, we definitely want to see the children's ministry grow with it. Children should be a part of what's going on, and the parents that comes alongside the parents. I, I 
I, I don't have a problem with having a children's church as long as we have the understanding and as long as we're encouraging our parents to, to start bringing the children into the service that we're, you know, there's, it's a, tr- there's a training aspect to it. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. And I also agree with the fact that I think it's good for the children to see their parents worshiping. Yes. Like you said earlier, I think that's important. Yes. I think that's the most important thing. As a matter of fact, it's interesting because God, you know, if you think about Passover, and I could show you this biblically in, you know, in Scripture, but the reason why they did Passover was to be able to observe what God had done in taking them and delivering them out of Egypt. But if you read the passage about it, what you find out is, is that it's an opportunity for the fathers to teach the sons and daughters mm. about what God had done, Right. Mm-hmm. So, if you look forward to the New Testament, we do communion. Mm. And if you think about communion, what is communion? It's a time of remembrance, but it's also an opportunity to teach your children what Christ did in delivering us from our sin. And so it's the same, it's really the same concept that when my children see me observe communion, as, a, as an example, they are actually, that opens up questions of why I'm doing that. So when church is over, well, Dad, why did you, why are you guys doing this? Well, because Jesus died on the cross, and before he went to the cross, he commanded us to do this in remembrance of what he had done. And it opens up that ability to have those kind of conversations, whereas when they never witness that, when they're off, you know, in their own world, they never witness that. They don't see communion being done. They don't have, there's not this opportunity for them to be able to ask those questions. Those are the kind of questions, and, and giving them those answers are the kind of things that are going to protect them when they get older and when they get challenged in their faith. They, they're going to be able to see it acted out. They're going to be able to see it lived out in more ways than one. You know, and they're going to be able to see it lived out in the life of their parents, you know, through being able to witness what they've done in worship. Wow, that yeah, that's a really good connection that I never I never thought of that, but that is really good. Yeah, well, I mean, that's God is a God's a God of order. I mean, he he does things the way yeah. he does them, and and there's a purpose for them, and it, it's not just rote ritual that we do. You know, when we observe these things, you know, when we when we observe communion, it's not. I mean, it's it's not just ritual. When we baptize someone, there's a purpose for that. And, you know, you want your children to be able to see those things. We hope that this was a little informative on children's ministry. We try to shed light on things biblically. Hopefully we did that. I'm, I'm a little excited about when you mentioned snacks. I, I wonder if we could have snacks in church. That would be... Like well, a, well, Keith, we do have snacks in church. No, I meant like during the service. Like well, you, somebody, can, you can go back and grab a you know, piece of coffee cake and take it. And well, why can't we have somebody... Passing things out like a McMuffin sandwich or oh. or an egg sausage. You want that? Pass it down the aisle like <laughs> a, the ballgame. All right. <laughs> we have going down the aisle. You have the guy. <laughs> You've been listening to Fresh Bread, the podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. And thanks for listening.